Hello, welcome to another episode of Mark's Musings. I'm Mark and the host of this podcast program. You can find us on the web at wctv.org podcasts and also on itunes.com and soundcloud.com. You can also find out more about me and my writing at my website, markryanbooks.com. The format of each episode of Mark's Musings is normally in three parts. A reading from one of my short stories, an author interview, and finally, a discussion of my writing routine. However, today we will devote the entire episode to an author interview. In this segment, we are glad to have with us author, writer, Larry Sanford. Larry is a local writer and a member of the Writer's Critique Group at the Wilmington Public Library in Wilmington, Massachusetts. Larry has written a book called CIA Knock Not, where he tells a fascinating story of his time in the CIA and a behind-the-scenes look. Although no secrets are divulged, Larry questions the actions of certain government agencies that preceded the Vietnam War and other international events. This interview is a prelude to the book and a story of Larry's life that formed his opinions and led to his writing venture. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. Today I'm uh, pleased to interview Larry Sanford, who is a uh, writer uh, from the Wilmington Public Library Writers Group, and also who is a resident of uh, Tewksbury. And uh, so we're going to be talking to him about his latest writing project. Welcome, Larry. Glad to be here. I'm glad glad to have you here. Uh, Tell us just a little bit about uh, your introduction to what you're writing. I'm writing a book called CIA Knock Not. The knock is N-O-C, which stands for non-official cover. And the not means I was not successful as a CIA knock officer. And I was inspired to write this book from a presentation of a former CIA man at the AFIO meeting I attended in Greater Boston a couple of years ago. And his name is Glenn. And... uh, his presentation brought back the reasons why I left the agency. He described his 20-plus years career in the agency and the bureaucracy and government issues. But it also brought back the reasons why I joined the CIA. And uh, when I finished reading his book and listening to his presentation, I said, I have a story to tell that might be of interest. Usually you hear stories of success. And uh, this is a story where I wanted to explain that uh, government bureaucracies and government systems can present problems. I believed in the agency. I still believe in the agency, but it didn't work out for me. And I thought it was an interesting story based on my background as to why I joined the agency. And uh, the reason I joined the agency is because you are who you are based on your background, your genetics, your experiences, your free will, 
And my background was that I grew up in Melrose. I was always a reader. I grew up in a successful family that was loving and believed in education and, and was educated. I had aunts and uncles who were college graduates, which was, which was fairly rare back in the 1920s. That sounds very interesting. Did you uh, have other pe- uh, siblings in your uh, family too? Or? I was the oldest of five in an Irish Catholic family, which okay. means I was the fair-haired boy, and uh, I had three <laughs> younger sisters, so I was basically spoiled rotten. <laughs> that sounds terrific. Did Afterwards, did you uh, go to school in um, Melrose? or I attended excellent Melrose uh, grammar schools. Grammar school. Yeah, uh, and then I went to St. John's Prep in Danvers, and from there I went to Boston College and majored in business. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, and then afterwards you joined the service, or? Well, I as it, when I was at Boston College, I majored in finance, and and I was in the honors program, and so when the senior year rolled around, companies came to campus to interview for for postings. And the only companies I interviewed were uh, international companies. Oh, yes. And so uh, the one company that interested me the most was IBM World Trade in New York City. And it was located right across the street from uh, the United Nations building. And so I accepted the job offer, a a princely uh, compensation of $6,400 a year, which in 1962 was one of the highest salary offerings in my class at BC. So I moved to New York City upon graduation in 1962 and room with two other BC guys who were uh, uh, accounting trainees with Price Waterhouse. But in 1962 we had uh, the draft and I never really considered too much of it being an issue other than the fact it was my duty to to serve in the military to protect America. I, and I think most of my peers sure. served in the military and most of my peers in 1962 anyways, did not think it was something that was an undue burden. And uh, IBM had a policy that if you were called up, then you were, had your job open when you returned. And so in the fall of 62 was the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Navy and all that sort of stuff off Cuba. And uh, right after the Cuban Missile Crisis, I received my notice to report for the draft. And I passed the physical and mental, and I said, I really don't want to go in the Army. And uh, I wanted to see the world. And, and I said, there's no better service to do that than the Navy. And uh, so I went down the street and marched into the Navy office and signed up for their Officer Candidate School, OCS, which was in Newport. That was quick, yes. And so in January, I uh, reported to Newport after six months with IBM. And uh, when I left New York, I said, I don't think I'm going to ever come back here. The city was too big, too dirty, too noisy, and I couldn't play much golf. And <laughs> golf, golf has been an issue in my life all my And uh, so I went to OCS for four months, and I did well there. And, and I didn't realize this until afterwards that the Navy actually pays attention to your, to your dream sheet, your wish list. And so halfway through OCS, they said, what did you want? I said, well, I want to be on a small warship, like a destroyer, and I want to be in the Pacific fleet. I figured living on the Atlantic, it was easy to see. I've never been to the Pacific, they said. And I ended up getting an assignment on board a destroyer, homeported in Yokosuka, Japan, which is an hour outside of Tokyo. <laughs> 
And uh, uh, while I was going through OES, I became friends with a guy named Bill Stanford. And uh, we went to law school together for seven weeks. And then the Navy says, you got three weeks to get across country to pick up a plane to fly to Japan. And Bill was in the same squadron as I was. And so I put an ad in the Boston Globe saying Navy officers willing to drive car across country. Guy calls us up, drive my Volkswagen to LA? Sure, okay, I'll give you gas money. So Bill and I took off. We spent three weeks traveling across the country, going through the Badlands and Yellowstone, and it was really a terrific trip. And we landed in San Francisco and flew to Japan. And so for the next three years, I served aboard the destroyer. My first assignment was electronics material officer and followed up by communications officer. So they were really good gigs. And the uh, I've always said the Navy runs by uh, senior enlisted and chiefs who really run the, the service. And uh, being in that particular segment of a ship, the, uh, the radio men and... Uh, the electronic technicians, they're really a superior bunch, so I, I had no problems with them or the chief, and, and it was an enjoyable post. And in, while in Japan, we went to Africa, we went to Australia, all over Asia, Korea, Okinawa, Japan, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Philippines. You really traveled to quite a, a, lot, a lot of places there. Yeah, that was great. It was a great tour duty, and yeah. I was single, and... Uh, and I had good cap captains aboard the ship and good senior officers, so there was a real sense of camaraderie and, and respect for uh, uh, their performances. And uh, after a year, uh, we were rerouted to home port in San Diego. And uh, going to San Diego, we were going to go down through the South China Seas to Australia and then through Samoa to Pearl Harbor, then to San Diego. So it was a great trip going home too. And while we were going through uh, the South China Sea and the Gulf of Tonkin, we were relieved on station in 1964 by the Maddox and Turner Joy. Uh, usually in Navy travels, the destroyers would be around a carrier task force. And so a particular carrier would be in the Gulf of Tonkin and before four to eight destroyers around it. And uh, the destroyers that relieved us on station from which we then went down to Australia was the Maddox. And that was the, the ship that the supposed Gulf of Tonkin incident took place. Oh. And uh, we all know now that that incident was not an incident that the whole Gulf of Tonkin resolution was, was a false premise and deceit and deception by senior Washington and I would say Ivy Leaguers mostly who mm -hmm. deceived America on, on the resolution, deceived America about Vietnam. Oh my God. And so, uh, yeah. and so I, we went to San Diego, we stayed there and then I had one, came back one more time to Vietnam for six month tour and then got out in May of 1966, came home again. Bill, Bill Stanford and I, we came home. It took us eight weeks to come home. We traveled all over the country together again. And uh, I came home and I played golf for a while. I was a good golfer. I was golf captain at BC. My father was a golfer and my sister was a great golfer. And uh, I 
said, I'm getting kind of bored waiting to, for Babson to start in the fall. I think I'm going to go to Europe. So my mother said, where are you going? I said, well, I, I know I'm going to land in Luxembourg. That's all I know. So I went to Europe for on Art Frommer's Europe on $5 a day. <laughs> and I arrived in Luxembourg and I met a couple of guys and they said they had rented a car and they said, we're going to tour Northern Europe. And I said, mind if I tag along? And they said, no. So I jumped in the back of the car for six weeks. We traveled around Northern Europe, Germany. And what an adventure. It yes. was great. It was yes. really great. And in those days, you get almost, I think we hit the budget of almost five bucks a day. I mean, things were, <laughs> I have little, when I had a little notes that, you know, like breakfast, coffee and, and pastries, 30 cents type of thing. You know. So it was a great trip. And I came home and I came back to Bat. Melrose and uh, commuted to Babson uh, for their one-year program to get an MBA. Normally the program's two years. I was able to do one year because I had majored in finance at BC. So they said, well, you don't need to do two years. And while I was at Babson, I saw an ad for uh, the CIA. I was looking for people. And so I said, geez, I want to do international. I believed in the cause. I believed in America. I believed in totalitarian communism was bad. I wanted, I wanted to have a life. Money was important, but it wasn't the most important thing to me. I, I wanted to travel. I wanted to do something interesting. And uh, so I said, I think I'll check it out. And they accepted me, and I went down to Washington in the summer of 67 and uh, went through their training program, which included the farm, jumping out of airplanes, and Jungle Warfare in Panama, was, and, and it was a, a great group of trainees that I was with, a very talented bunch and smart, dynamic. And then I was assigned in the clandestine services to the Taiwan desk, which was again perfect. I mean, I was always fascinated by China and I had read a lot on China. And after a year or so, they said, well, would you like to go out under business cover, which means, as a non-official cover, which means you continue to work for the CIA, but while you're posted in Taiwan, you're going to be working for a business. I said, sure. And by this time, I married. My wife was an adventurous gal. So we went through some training periods, and uh, we ended up uh, in London for a while, and then we ended up in Taiwan, and we get to Taiwan, the business deal fails. Mm. So they said, well, why don't you go to the parent company's regional headquarters in Hong Kong, and we figure out what to do. Okay. So my wife and I, we pack up our bags, we go to Hong Kong, we stay at a nice hotel, and eventually we move into a company flat. And the bottom line is I didn't do anything for the two years I was in Hong Kong for the, for the CIA. Taiwan said, well, you're living in Hong Kong, so we really can't handle you. And Hong Kong says, well, you're in the Taiwan budget, so we're not going to handle you. So after two years, they said, we, time for you to come back to D.C. and go back under... Defense Department cover or whatever cover they come up with. And I said, uh, I think it's time for me to move on. So well, I left. Yes. And uh, that's the gist of the story. I've always, and I, I'm happy for the opportunity the agency. I believe in the cause. Uh, My God, you saw the world. You saw a lot of people. You saw the customs of uh, different yeah. nations. And yeah. it uh, was a wonderful uh, experience for you. It was, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I came back to Boston and I worked and joined Nashua Corporation up in Nashua 
And for the next seven years, I traveled every three months to Europe or Australia. So I traveled for a total from 1963 until 1980 when I started my own business. I basically traveled the world. My God, yes, that's what an interesting career. Yeah. Yes, and so during that time, though, you had some political uh, uh, interests too, or uh, uh, questions that you have wanted to answer. Well, I was always interested in history, in government, and politics. Uh, political, in a sense, of people in, in totalitarianism always interested me. You know, first I was born the fascist totalitarians. And then as I was growing up, we had the totalitarian communists. Mm, yes. And, uh, and especially the communists. I mean, in 46, I was six years old. That's when the Iron Curtain came down in the Korean War when I was 10. And then you had uh, the Soviet uh, brutality in Hungary and, and all these other things going on. Uh, China fell to the communism. Became, I don't know if the fell is the right word. China became communist. And... Uh, so there was stuff going on all over the world, and I always, and I thought America was the shining city on the hill. Sure. Yes. And so I believed in service, so I thought the CIA was a good place to go, and then I decided, well, I've done my duty, time to move on. Yeah. And you, you certainly gave a, a lot of your life, uh, you made yourself available uh, to do all of those different uh, assignments that you had with the Navy and with the CIA, but... Uh, unfortunate to them, they didn't uh, fulfill your dream and put you in the places that you wanted to go. Yeah, when when my assignment as a non-official cover is to develop contacts so that you can use them, basically recruit them. Sure. And uh, I had a Rolodex file of all over Asia. I mean, I'm of my travels, and uh, they just weren't interested. And yet, the purpose oh. of the clandestine services is well, to recruit and develop. <laughs> People who want to become traders to their country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, I think Vietnam poisoned. Vietnam poisoned uh, the agency at Port. Like it's poisoned our society then, and it's, I think it's still poisoning our society to some That's extent. Unfortunate. Yes. Yes. Yeah. My God. Yeah. So, uh, what are you doing now? You you want to write about uh, your experiences? Yes, I've got the chapters outlined in my life to explain how I got to the stage where I joined, why I joined, my history of reading, my history of the books I read, uh, the things I did. I was always an athlete. My father was one of the great hockey players in America at one time. And uh, so I've always had an athletic uh, reading life. And so the chapters were based on my experiences growing up in Melrose, St. John's at BC, IBM, and then... Uh, joining the agency after the Navy. So the Navy is, has been, I've been having fun writing it because I have tons of slides from my Navy days. Oh, good. So, you so I'm transferring them into digitizing them. That takes time. Yes. So my, I always like pictures and books, so I'm going to have some photographs in the, in the so book. So those pictures bring back a lot of memories, too. Yes. So. Yeah. And I'm still in contact with some of my buddies from the Navy, so... Yeah. 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 So it's almost, uh, you almost have a photographic diary, so to speak. You know, you just in the Navy, I had a little a logbook of, uh, of where we were sometimes. I mean, it was just a few scratches here and there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my travels across the country with Bill Stanford, uh, I kept a diary. And when I traveled to Europe, I kept a diary. All my agency work in Hong Kong, all those files, when I left, I threw everything away. I never kept anything. Sure, sure. 
So as far as you're concerned, it's uh, not classified information, that you're just general knowledge of of the country at the time. Yeah, and there's some names I throw out. They might question that, but the, the names that I actually, if, if I weren't able to find them on Google as being listed as yes. outed as CIA, uh, then I came up with a phony name. So the only names that I actually mentioned, like my boss, yes, uh, he died recently and it was listed in his obit that he was CIA. Yeah. So okay. I, I don't see where I'm exposing any state secrets if I mention his name in my book. Sure, it sound, that sounds uh, reasonable there. So at this point, you've uh, done a lot of writing and uh, you're pretty much uh, finished with a lot of the chapters and you're putting it all together and you're, you, the, the, you're a member of the local writers group, and so we're trying to uh, help you along and guide you to uh, help completing the book. Yeah, Barbara Alvarez is a terrific gal, and she's very smart, and she has a lot of insights into uh, social media angles and also writing, and she has interesting people come in to talk to us once in a while. So I found her uh, group to be most helpful as far as uh, having my strategy unfold like a perfect example of course is do we go do i go uh, with an editor or do i self-publish and so we've discussed that at a couple of meetings that that is a, a big question yeah, I've, I've struggled with that too uh, so at this point you have most of your book written or yes it's uh, the first draft has gone through and now my wife who's very smart she has an mba also and my sister, uh, one of my sisters, who's a retired professor, they're basically ripping it apart from a grammar, punctuation, logic, duplication issues. <laughs> but so the first draft is done, and, and hopefully by the end of the year the, it will be completed, and by then I will have decided which way I'm going to go as far as publishing. That sounds really exciting. You know, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to uh, reading it as my, uh, when it first comes out, you know. Uh, I'm sure that some of our listeners are interested, too, to hear what you have to say about uh, what the behind-the-scenes uh, ideas that have uh, th that you've come across as you've been both in the service in the Navy as well as in the CIA and, and also as a world traveler, you know, just listening to what people's opinions are yeah. uh, everywhere. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of, uh, uh, so I'm excited about it. Um, are there anything else that you'd like to uh, say while we're still? Taking no, I well, thank you for the opportunity. That sounds sounds great. Mm -hmm. So, if anyone were to uh, try to get in touch with you, or they were interested in maybe helping you uh, uh, contribute to your book, or to uh, had similar ideas, they might contact you. How? The Wilmington Public Library, Barbara Alvarez. She, she, I, I, I have, I'm not prepared yet to give out my uh, book email address or website. It's in process. It will be out. But in the, if anybody needs to get a hold of me right away, you can just contact the Wilmington Library. That that is a good good venue to uh, to do that. Well, thank you very much, Larry. We have this has been an extraordinary story. And uh, I, I'm so excited to, to listen to your story and to uh, um, anticipate uh, your book coming out. Thank you. So I think uh, that brings us to the conclusion of this uh, episode of um, Mark's Musings in this podcast. 
And so we're going to sign off now, and uh, we'll be catching you soon. <laughs>